Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? So this week I was wondering what to talk about and seeing as there are some sporting events, live sport being back on our TVs and hopefully having an audience there soon, it got me thinking about the performance of national anthems. Now of course England's national anthem would be my own but I want to talk about national anthems as a whole, what they're like in a musical sense, what comes before them, what comes after them, why we sing them and what are some of the more unusual national anthems out there and some of the interesting stories that I've come to learn about through talking about anthems to lots of different people. So a national anthem is a country's national song and the majority of national anthems are quite hymn-like and they also have a sort of march type style. However, there are lots of different styles of national anthems as a whole and they're an expression of national pride. They're performed to build that patriotic feeling at sporting events or occasions and official events. They aren't actually hugely ancient in their beginnings. I kind of had this feeling that national anthems have been around forever, for eternity. In fact, it's only in the middle of the 19th century that they became very popular. And not only that, a lot of national anthems were music that was already in existence. So countries then began to adopt a piece of music as their national anthem. So it wasn't commissioned for that purpose specifically. Now, There isn't a specific form to a national anthem. It can be any kind of form musically. However, some of them have fanfares, some of them are more operatic in style, and others are just really, really simple. Uh, There are also some countries who don't have a national anthem at all. So let's talk about that word fanfare that I mentioned. Now, a fanfare is a short ceremonial tune or a flourish played on traditionally brass instruments because they're very loud but it also is normally there to introduce someone or something important happening so it gives us that sense of occasion. So we're going to play you an example of a pretty impressive fanfare now. This is the fanfare of the common man and it's by American composer Aaron Copland. This particular performance was from the BBC Proms in 2012 but the piece was written all the way back in 1942. Let's have a listen.
So you can hear there that it's incredibly rhythmical, very, very loud, and also using those short, sharp, percussive elements. Now, a fanfare can be scored for any instrument technically, but as I say, they tend to be chosen for instruments that excel at that loud and percussive sound. So we might hear horns, trumpets, trombones, tuba, timpani, the bass drum that you could hear there really loudly and the tam-tam. So lots of different loud, exciting instruments used there that actually I feel as well don't often have their moment in the spotlight to shine. So fanfares are a real moment for those brass players to be expressive and really enjoy that music. Let's have a listen to another fanfare. Now this is a royal fanfare and it was actually performed, this particular version we're going to hear by the London Military Band at St Paul's Cathedral. It was composed by Arthur Bliss and it was written in 1960 for the wedding of Princess Margaret. So this is a fanfare that was written in celebration of a royal marriage. So really to give, again, as I say, that sense of occasion. Now, in 1960, in its sort of premiere, it was performed in Westminster Abbey. And Sir Arthur Bliss, the composer, was master of the Queen's music from 1953 to 1975. I don't know if that's like the coolest thing to mention at a dinner party or what, but let's have a listen to some of Arthur Bliss' royal fanfare. So gorgeous. It's, it makes me sit up straight when I hear something like that. It's so impressive to listen to. And you can just, if you close your eyes and imagine being in 1960 at the wedding of a royal family member, hearing that music, it really is transcendent and so beautiful. So let's move back onto those national anthems. Why have a national anthem? It's a symbol of national pride, isn't it? It's a giving a country its own independence through song. And we hear these national anthem played, national anthems played at certain occasions. So it might be something like a, a royal visit, a presidential event, sporting occasions, like um, a gold medal ceremony at the Olympics or international sporting fixtures, and actually even at school assemblies. So here are a few examples that I think make a lot of sense when we hear the national anthem. You would hear it played at a royal occasion. So maybe the queen or other members of the royal family were in attendance. In America, you'd hear the anthem played at the inauguration of a new president. And of course, during a sporting event, let's take the ashes, let's take cricket. Both teams would hear their own national anthem ahead of the start of play. And in China, you would hear the national anthem before some of their news broadcasts. Can you imagine that before the BBC News every night hearing God Save the Queen? Here are a few more uh, slightly rogue and interesting ones. So in Colombia, it is the law to play the national anthem at 6am and 6pm on every public radio and television station. And in Thailand, the Thai national anthem, which is called Fleng Chat Taj, is played at 8am and 6pm nationwide. But they also have a royal anthem. So they use that just on very, very special occasions. So they've really kind of gone out with their anthems in Thailand. Singapore's anthem is sung in Malay and it can only be sung in this language by law. So there are lots of strict instructions when it comes to national anthems. The national anthem of Spain had lyrics when it was first written 
But after Francisco Franco's dictatorship ended in the 1980s, those lyrics were removed and more and none have been replaced since. So Spain doesn't have any words, which kind of feels strange to me as well, that there'd just be music and no lyrics to go alongside. Interestingly, when it comes to God Save the Queen, so if you're listening in England and you st- you stand proudly singing your national anthem of God Save the Queen, which of course in the past could be God Save the King, the author of the music is actually unknown as well as the lyricist and it's always disputed how this music came to be. Of course, as I mentioned, the word king or queen can be used depending on the monarch that is currently reigning. And the music in itself, as we know, is quite hymnal in style. Apparently, allegedly, it was first performed in 1619, and it's not just the anthem of England. So it's quite unique in its uh, in its stance, in the sense that it is also the anthem of other Commonwealth states. So let's have a little listen to some of our national anthem, "God Save the Queen." This is a traditional orchestral and choral version. Beautiful. And you can really hear that hymnal style there where there's this very strong beat. And of course, that means that it's much easier if you're part of the audience or learning that song and hearing it for the first time as a young voice to really learn those words and the music. Let's talk a little bit about etiquette. So there are certain etiquettes attached to when we hear these national anthems. As I say, we feel that way to stand up and stand to attention and and sort of uh, put our shoulders back and we feel very proud when we hear our national music played but it also might be that if it's a military occasion certain headwear might be removed flags might be raised or lowered during the national anthem and there might be kind of military honours used as well so there's all sorts of etiquettes that happen during the playing of a national anthem there's of course as well in the past and will still continue to be conflict when it comes to the national anthem I'm sure many of you are aware of 2016 where the American National Anthem was played, the the Star Spangled Banner, and it became this musical backdrop for protests against police brutality towards African-Americans. And if you remember, it was professional football player Colin Kaepernick who was the first to take a knee during its performance, which was something that was seen as um, taking a huge stance on his beliefs. And of course, then we saw that music become the backdrop for for huge conflict and, and huge conversations that were started and still are happening to this day. Let's talk a bit about the language. So I've mentioned already that Spain is a country that doesn't have lyrics to the national anthem. It did once upon a time, but history has changed that. There are, there are many different languages used when it comes to national anthems. And I'm going to play you a couple of examples that use their own traditional language, but also the languages of other cultures within their country. So South African's national anthem has five languages in the anthem. Now, I have to say from experience, I have sung this anthem once and I have never been so nervous to get the pronunciation and the intonation of five different languages into about three minutes in time. Uh, They have 11 spoken languages there, but they use five within this piece, within the anthem. The first verse uses two languages and follows with three more. So let's have a listen now to the Soweto Gospel Choir singing some of the South African national anthem. Oh, 
beautiful there as well and just such a gorgeous version to hear the Soweto Gospel Choir there singing with that real traditional sense of style within the music. Let's now have a little listen to some of the New Zealand national anthem and this version is performed by Cindy Ruakere and it's really interesting to me this version because it's very very different to the traditional style. So this we're going to talk about or hear some of the New Zealand national anthem performed by Cindy Ruakere. Now this is really interesting musically because it's very different to the traditional style of their anthem, but it somehow works. And this is the thing with national anthems, they are time and time again interpreted in a modern way. So let's have a listen now to this New Zealand anthem which uses Maori language as well as English. Yeah, I was getting into that. It was really good. So again, it has that real rhythm behind the music. And of course, getting a huge audience sometimes to join in with that national anthem can be tough. But actually, this version for me, I think actually is very traditional in its sense, but also modernized with the type of instrumentation that we can hear. We can hear that guitar. We can hear nice bass there, really bringing it into the 21st century. I love that version. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, it's Ben Bidwell here, otherwise known as The Naked Professor. I'm popping up to say the brand new series of The Naked Professor's podcast is now live. We're all about having deep and vulnerable discussions about what's really going on. 
and how people are really feeling and dealing with the challenges in their lives. Each episode features a roundtable of incredible guests. You can expect to hear things like this. You know, the father I was a year ago is different to the father I am now. Past months have been more up and down than I've ever experienced. My stress levels have been elevated since the show came out. I've been working really hard to try and hold the good and the bad in my life at the moment. These conversations are more important now than ever before. So if you want to tune in, then subscribe to the Naked Professors podcast wherever you found this one. Now, still staying in the country of New Zealand, I want to talk a little bit about the haka. This is a ceremonial dance or challenge in Maori culture. And I wanted to play you some of the 2004 haka from New Zealand versus France at the uh, Rugby International. This is led by Tana Umaga. And this was the year he became captain of the All Blacks. Now, as I say, a hacker is performed with a group. It's got sort of really vigorous movements and stamping of the feet and it's rhythmically shouted. So it is actually really musical in its beginnings, but it's often used and commonly associated with uh, battle preparations of, of male warriors. But actually, it's also been performed by both men and women for, for many, many years. And actually, lots of these hackers, they fulfill social function. So if there was um, someone of huge importance arriving, they might welcome them with a hacker. Hackers are used in schools as well. They're often, uh, schools will have their own hacker as well. So it really, I think for me, feels like it builds a sense of community with young people and old. It crosses generations and it's something that's steeped in tradition within that Maori culture. And so of course, when we hear that moment on an empty pitch with the players in place. If you can imagine before we listen now, there's this real sense of anticipation. It is a, a war cry, a battle cry, and every hacker is so unique and individual. And of course, as I say, this one led by Tana Umaga, he'd just become captain of the All Blacks. It's a huge, huge honour. And the All Blacks have been using the hacker since 1905, I think, at every international game. So really, as I say, so much tradition bound in this one event. So let's have a listen now to some of this rhythmical not necessarily sung, but rhythmical shouting that happens before the start of a rugby international. It kind of gets you right here, doesn't it? It honestly makes me get shivers. And I think to, well, to have been there must have been absolutely incredible. But you see just the pride and the honour on their faces. And that's something that happens when we hear the national anthem, of course, too. A few more facts for you. So Austria changed its national anthem lyrics in 2012. They wanted to make it more gender inclusive. And interestingly, this has happened in a lot of different countries, as well as Canada. And they... I mean, they try to essentially make these lyrics more universal, less political, uh, maybe perhaps less in the military sense as well. But there are a lot of countries that are still developing. And as I say, these aren't national anthems that have been there since the beginning of time. People are still developing and modernizing these songs that really represent the culture of now, where we are right now. So now let's just focus in on one national anthem before we finish. I want to talk about the American national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. 
there's lots of reasons why I want to talk about it. Um, of course, as I mentioned, part of my job is singing the national anthem. And when I often sing God Save the Queen, I do feel a sense of relief compared to those who are singing the Star Spangled Banner for these many reasons. The Star Spangled Banner is very, very difficult musically to sing in a convincing way. It's not hymnal in its approach. It's much more like a song. It's a lot longer. If you compare it to our national anthem, it's almost a minute and a half longer in in time. So in length, it ranges a full 12th. So if we're talking on the keys on the piano, an eighth would be an octave. You've got to add another five, four or five notes on there. And that's really how this, it's huge in its range. And of course, when we hear singers perform this piece, it's open to interpretation. So for example, when I sing our national anthem of God Save the Queen, I wouldn't vary the notes that I use. I wouldn't dare change lyrically what happens. Yet that happens with the American national anthem and it's almost the responsibility of the singer to make those changes. Uh, the length of the piece, as I say, up to its longest, which was performed by Alicia Keys at the Super Bowl in 2013, it went to two minutes 36. That is the longest that we know of. And it's been performed in so many different ways. So a cappella, with piano, with guitar, as a trio, by pop singers, by opera singers, by country singers, by folk singers. It's just honestly, it's so vast in its approach musically. And that's why I wanted to play you three very different versions of the Star Spangled Banner today. So the first version we're going to hear is by the one and only Whitney Houston. And this was at the 1991 Super Bowl. And it is widely kind of speculated and, and talked about that this was the greatest version of the American National Anthem. It was also something where her voice just filled the stadium. There was nothing else needed, in my opinion. She is joined by a band. And actually, what's interesting, if you listen to the instrumentation, the band creates quite a different backdrop than the traditional sounds that we hear, which almost gave her the um, the opportunity to ad lib around the music so much more. When I say ad lib, I mean make up her own notes and, and add in little uh, moments. And that's where we hear towards the end where it gets really passionate. We hear those higher notes chosen by the singer to really round up. And of course, over over the years, we know that when we hear the American National Anthem, there are spaces where the audience are invited in to clap and to cheer and to really get involved. Um, I think, yeah, as I say, I think this is possibly the greatest performance ever of the Star Spangled Banner. So let's have a listen to some of the late and great Whitney Houston singing the National Anthem of America. Goosebumps. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> so you've got this traditional marching band, which I have to say as well, musically, if you're a singer, a marching band and the brass instruments are quite difficult to stay in tune with because the tuning of those instruments is quite varied compared to the voice. She nails it. I mean, you just 
you hear the crowd behind her as well. And I think this Star Spangled Banner as a song is, you know, you kind of know if that singer's got it right from the start. And her confidence just radiates through the stadium for this performance. That moment at the beginning there that we heard as well, it was really interesting. And she chose to go half time there. So she made the notes twice as long as they normally would be within the music, really giving that sense of gravitas and that building up to the end. Now, this next version is completely different. And this is something that I'm, I'm not actually 100% sure who the orchestra is in this version, so I apologize. But I really wanted to play it to you because it's a very traditional arrangement with the orchestral sounds that we hear, but actually it's a very modern arrangement with the vocal sounds. So it starts with a very young female voice. Then the male voices join in. Then we hear the female voices. So it's really painting a picture with the words that we hear and actually some of the uh, alternative lyrics are used in this version as well. So if you do have time, please go and listen to the full version that's online. There's a tenor solo as well. And then there's this huge ramp up towards the end. And I just think it's a really interesting version that I haven't heard before of the Star Spangled Banner. So let's have a listen now. When our cause it is just There we go. So we heard the tenor solo there leading into the whole choir and orchestra joining in together. Again, a really powerful way to express this kind of music and that patriotic feeling. And finally, we're going to hear, I thought it would be nice to hear the version of this year's Super Bowl. Of course, it feels very different this year, at Any like any sporting event, it's just not the same as years gone by. And so I perhaps felt that it weighed heavy on the shoulders of this year's performers to really do a good job of, of uniting everyone. And I have to say, that is the responsibility you feel when it comes to singing a national anthem, whether it be your own or that of another the country. It is your job in a sense to unite the crowds and to bring everyone together and and have that sense of unity. Um, So this year it was Eric Church, the country singer, and Jasmine Sullivan, who's an R&B singer. And actually it was really interesting that they joined forces, again, sort of showing that sense of unity across not just the nation, but also all the genres of music as well. A folk singer and an R&B singer is very, very different genres, but somehow they managed to create some magic together. So we're going to have a listen to some of that performance now from this year's Super Bowl. This is Eric Church and Jasmine Sullivan. Very, very interesting arrangement there as well. And I think really interesting to push out sort of vocally and, and also the musical genres that are mixing together there. That's what modern music is as well. It's cross-genre music that we hear all the time. So as I say, these Star Spangled Banner versions really represent what's happening at that time. For me, no one does it like Whitney Houston, I have to say. Just incredible. What a year, 1991. What Imagine being there and experiencing that live. Just amazing. 
Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed um, our little chat and conversation about national anthems, fanfares and patriotic music. And anything else that you'd love to hear or learn more about, please do let me know on my social media. It's so much fun and such a joy sharing all this amazing music with you all. So thank you for coming on this journey with me. Music in my life with me, Laura Wright, and I will see you next time. Bye. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.